Shalom and welcome to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. This is a recording of Rabbi Adam Klickfeld's weekly Rashi study class. Okay, Andrew, lichvod your son. Will you read verse 3 and take the Rashi? Okay. Verse 3, take the Rashi. Okay. Vayomer hashli chayhu artza. Uh, and he said, throw it to the ground, and so Moshe threw it to the ground, and it, and it, and it became a snake, uh, and uh, Moshe uh, stepped away from it. Good, right? Um, and vayihila, so the, uh, an interesting thing in biblical and modern Hebrew is that the verb to be with the preposition lamed is understood as a become, right? So you translate it exactly right. It, be, it became a snake. Um, I remember the exact moment I learned that piece of grammar. Um, you know, the, you know, David Brose's song, Yetov? In the first stanza of Yetov, there's that phrase. And I remember studying it in Ulpan and not understanding what it meant until I learned that that the verb to be plus a lamed is... Um, is the verb is um, become? Uh, so it's the 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 it's in Safaria, they can't. They they translate that last part as Moses recoiled from it, which sounds like what you would do if you saw a snake come there. In in um, in, in um, I, I don't I, the linear translation from English. They 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 translate it Moses fled from before it, which sounds which is the better translation. Yeah, um, great. But lanus, the verb lanus means to 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 flee. It it it's used in the Torah to talk about how someone who did an uh, inadvertent killing would flee to a city of refuge. Um, 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 so so flee works. In fact, Everett Fox translates it as free flee. Everett Fox Everett Fox translates the sentence as he said, throw it to the ground. He threw it to the ground and it became a snake and Moshe fled from its face. So flea works. Recoil is stronger. Um, and I guess the, the, as you're translating that, the question in one's mind, conscious or unconscious, is is he expressing fear from the snake or is he just taking a step back from the miracle of something inanimate being turned into something animate and, and which one is Vayanos um, uh, denoting? And it's 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 unclear, right? It's 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 not clear if if the fleeing is res, is a result of a fear of snakes. This is Indiana Jones, or just a wow moment that just like the um, you know he had a response when he saw that the bush wasn't being consumed. Now he might be having a response that there's another supernatural miracle going on. I'd love to hear people's reactions to it, but there's no there's no um, specific clue in the verse to tell us that. Rick and then Joel. Hi. So um, I figured I'd bring it up here. Um, Larry and I, um, looking over the Haftorah and Chukat this week, we have Moses making the the serpent. And um, it's nice that it coincides with this one. It's not part of the triennial, but 
Uh, there the serpent is something that the people are supposed to look at and feel better about uh, to get them past the plague of the seraf serpents. But um, here it's just fear. And it's, it's not, um, he's amazed by it. Like, Oh, wow. It's, it's great. That's all. I'm, I think if I'm not mistaken, I remember I, I, I look at Sforno says something about the fleeing. Yeah. If, you, if you're in our book, if you're in, if you're in the Torah Chaim, Sforno, the bottom right in that page, but I'll say it slowly outside. Oh, yeah, I can bring up online. I forgot that I can do that now. Hold on a second. Take a look at it together. Uh, while I'm bringing it up online, I think uh, Joel's hand was up next. Well, I mean, it's almost too obvious to mention, but you, you sort of danced around it, but didn't even, you never fell into it. Um, Vayanos, the same root as Ness. So he was like recoiling from the, the miracle. Um, interesting. Uh, yeah, I did, did not pick up on that alliteration or that, um, that, um, that root similarity. I don't, I don't think it's the same root, but that doesn't matter in terms of association. So you're saying he, he got, mir- he got miracled by the miracle. Interesting. Uh, look at Sforno here. I'm going to, I'm going to, um, share my screen. Okay. So, Vayana Shama Mipanav, Ki Omnam Haya Az Nachash Gamur Verodef, to show us, or this teaches us, that indeed, Omnam means indeed, that the snake, that the staff had become an Achash Gamur, an actual snake, Verodef, and a pursuing snake. This is not just that it turned into something that looked like a snake, but it became a real snake. Avaltani Neachartumim. But the snakes of the of the Egyptian magicians that Moshe is going to have a competition with when he gets into Pharaoh's presence, Bilahatehem, that the magic that they do with their staffs and their flames, those snakes, we'll get to that scene, did not turn into like animate snakes that had movement, even though they appeared snake-like, right? It's a different miracle to make your staff you know, go from a, uh, a standard wooden staff to one that looks like a snake to turning into a snake. Ki omnam hakashefim lo yamtsiu nimsa emet. Because those magicians um, were not able to invent or create something that changed the natural order of the world. Ki omram, as it says in Sanhedrin, ha'aluhim afilu kigamla lo matsu baru. Um, that not only that they, they can't even make, um, they can't do small creatures and they can't do big creatures. They can't even make a camel. I don't know why a camel would be considered easier to make than a small creature. So that's why this text says that it became a nachash, an actual snake, and not what it says there, which is a tanin, like snake-like in appearance. So according to um, Sforno then, it probably um, is, is proper to translate in English as a sporno in English as recoil because it was an actual snake that from which he felt an amount of fear that it could harm him. Uh, Rick, did we get your hand already? Okay. Uh, Larry, Diane. Yeah. I'd, I'd like you to, to copy it just to give us the etymology of Vianos, but I do have a comment that if, um, so for Barbara, when you talk about the, the uh, translation in 
uh, Safaria, that's the JPS translation. We should all know that that's JPS. That's identical to what you see in Eitz Chaim. Um, and I'm usually, and Rick knows this too, because we talked about it even this week, very critical of the JPS translation for lots of reasons. Not that I'm an expert, but just in terms of capturing the flow and the meaning. But in this case, I actually think the recoil is much better than either Alter or um, uh, Arie uh, Kaplan, both of whom have um, fled or run away. Uh, one has fled, fled and one has run, or run away. And I, I don't know what the actual word means, but we all have a visceral reaction to snakes. Or most of us do, I think. It's, it's, built, it's built in. So we actually didn't run away, as in you see something that you're fearful of and you run away. The first instinct you have is to, to recoil, actually, which is kind of a pun as well in English, at least. Um, and to just, it's, it is a, yich, that's a, it's both fearful and, and um, something that you just don't want to be near. Yeah. So I actually like recoil in this case, but can you comment on the word itself, the Hebrew? Yeah, are you saying that it's a double entendre recoil because a snake is coiled? Yes. Ah, very well done. Yeah, I, I made the Indiana Jones joke earlier. Also, that's what's so funny about that, that, that wry humor that he'll, he's not afraid of anything, but yich, snakes, right? He gets into a, a pit of snakes and he, he gets very uh, frightened. By the way, uh, parentheses, I did a Hanukkah Habayit this week for Shul member of a home that they had been renovating for a couple of years. And they told me it was just going to be me and them and one couple who's their dearest friends. But then they told me who the couple is. The, the man in the couple is the director, John Landis, who directed the Blues Brothers and Trading Places and, and um, the Three Amigos and Animal House. Um, and his wife is an Oscar-nominated costume designer who, who now has a endowed chair at UCLA in costume design. And she individually, and I was speaking to her about this, um, designed Indiana Jones's whip and hat from that from Raiders of the Lost Ark in the 1980s. And the original one are sitting in the Smithsonian Institute. So I, had to, I got to have an interesting conversation with the person who designed that particular piece of, uh, of, movie, of movie costume fame. Anyway, um, Lanus. Lanus means to run away. Sometimes it means to run away for a, from a refuge. The Haftarah, I think it's from... Chukotai might be Balodcha. Adonai Uzi Uma Uzi Umnusi Biyom God is my um, Uzi, my strength. Umnusi and my my place of refuge. So the the noun uh, that is created from the verb the verb Lanus Manos um, uh, is is the place that you would flee to for refuge. So um, it may be that the way the verb is used in Hebrew, which is why the JPS translation might be interesting in the scene, but not, may not be completely correct, is that it doesn't, have a, it doesn't have a recoil flavor to it. It has a safety flavor to it. It has a um, going towards freedom, going towards security, rather than yich factor to what you're running from, right? When the... When the um, when the accidental killer was running to the, to the city of refuge, he wasn't recoiling from anything. He was trying to save himself. So um, while well, perhaps Barbara is, uh, is speaking, I can see if we can pull it up in uh, BDB and see if there are any other uh, understandings of it. But that's my understanding of the root at its core.
Barbara? Um, I just uh, thank you, Larry. I because I, I agree, but I think that the note at the bottom of the page in Etzchayim is really interesting. Moses recoils before the transformed rod, therefore expressing his astonishment at the marvel and intim- intimating that God, not he, is in command of the situation. I love that. Uh, Joanna, and then I'll show you what Brown Driver Briggs says about it. I'm just, another example comes to mind of um, Joseph fleeing from Potiphar's wife. When Right. Right. And, and so what do, we, and what do we imagine is the sense of that fleeing, not a recoiling, but a, a, a getting away, right? Just a getting away. Um, so look at this. So this is Brown Driver Briggs. This is the classic uh, biblical lexicon. Noose, that's the root, noose. And he says primarily means flee and escape. Um, in Syriac, it's more like tremble, but it's rare. Uh, in Arabic, move to and fro, be in commotion, dangle. That's interesting. Um, and then he gives us uh, many, many places in the, um, in the Torah where the verb lanus is used, probably including ours if we got to it uh, eventually. So um, flee, there's number two. Escape, take flight, dis- depart, disappear. Yeah, I forgot that. At the very end of, of the Torah, one of the last verses of the Torah, the lo nas lecho, when describing Moshe's vitality at 120, it said that his, his, his lecho, his, it's interesting, it has to do with moistness. His, it means vitality, but like, you know, his non-dried outness as an old person, lo nas, had not escaped him. It's a very different feeling than recoil. Um, yeah. So there's nothing in BDB that really supports recoil, even though the snake presence in the verse um, might invite that. Yeah. Uh, what did someone put in the chat? Hold on. Escape. Yeah, exactly. Thank you, Rebecca. Okay, so that's the verse. Um, and we're now we're back to you, Andrew, to read the Rashi. Rashi does not comment on Vayanas Moshe. He comments on Vayahil Nachash, and he gets a little bit deeper into what we were going for before in terms of the significance of the snake in this scene. It was a hint, the snake was a hint uh, that the snake, I guess, is a someone guilty of Lashon Hara about um, uh, I'm not sure what that means. Okay, so um, you, you uh, your audio went out for a little bit in there, so I'm not sure what part I didn't hear. But you're right that the Ramazlo is that the snake is a um, a, a hint or a clue, but the the subject of Siper is Moshe. Clue that Moshe had spoken Lashon Hara on Yisrael. Some versions of Rashi have a phrase added in, which the one in the Torah Chaim does not. And the phrase is, Be'omro lo ya'aminu li. When Moshe said that they will not believe me, we discussed this two weeks ago, and therefore was um, casting aspersions on the Israelites as non-believers. Therefore, he is speaking Lashon Hara about the very people he's about to lead. V'tafas and when a to shonachash, tafas means to take or to capture. Here it means almost to impersonate, to, to, to take 
the artistry of the snake. What is the artistry of the snake? What is the biblical uh, artistry of the snake? What's the, what's the snake known for? Uh, talking, uh, misleading uh, Chava. Or right. I, yeah. right. And this is a subtle reading of that. And I'm going um, to bring up for you what Rashi says on that verse in a second. If you ask a, like a standard person, what did the snake, um, what did the snake do wrong in that scene? It was lying, right? you know, misleading so that she would eat something she was not supposed to eat. But Rashi on that verse, which I'll bring up, quotes an understanding of it that says that the, the problem there was not just that the snake was not telling the truth, but the snake was speaking calumny against God. So let's bring that up. Done. Okay. So here's the verse. Chat, verse uh, Genesis chapter 3, verse 5. Um, actually, we go back one verse. Verse 4. Vayomer hanachash el ha'isha. The snake said to the woman, lo mot tmutun, you will not uh, die. She had quoted to the snake. God told us, if we eat from this, we will die. And the snake says, no, you will not. And now the snake gives it like an, an undergirding for why he thinks that you will not die. Ki yodea Elohim, God knows, ki biyom imenu, that on the day you eat from it, v'nifkechu enechem, your eyes will open up, v'yitem kelohim, and you will be like God, yodei tovara, knowing good and evil. It's a very fascinating verse because the snake is accused here of misleading Eve by saying that you will not die from eating the, um, the fruit, but rather your eyes will be opened up and you will be godlike in your, in your consciousness. Of course, that ends up being true. They don't die when they eat from it. They, they lose their immortality, but they don't die immediately. And it's, it's the Torah's way of understanding what we understand of evolution, right? Like when did an, when did a chimpanzee evolve to consciousness? When did, when did, when did life form move into a place where we were godlike just below the, the, the gods understanding that we're alive and, and what is good and what is bad. So in some ways the snake is actually telling the truth and it's God who wasn't telling uh, the truth. But what Rashi says on this, the question on the verse, if we were to go slow on this verse, would say in, in what way, is it is does it make sense that the snake would use the phrase that God knows from the that from the moment you eat from the tree you'll have this transformation? Look at Rashi says. I'll give it in Hebrew and English. Kol uman sone et umanuto. Every artisan, every tradesman, hates the ones who do his or her work. You know, uh, in, in, in the next cubicle over. Min achal, meaning God. Two became God, according to this Midrash, by eating from that tree, and then became God-like and was able to create the world. So there are several layers here. Rashi is saying, quoting the Midrash, that the snake is saying, how do I know that God knows that when you eat from the tree, you'll have this power? Because that's what God did. God isn't really a God. God wasn't always a God. God was like you. And then God ate from the tree and uh, all of a sudden have this knowledge and power and, and God doesn't want you to have that because every artisan hates other people who do the same thing and that's why God is saying you shouldn't eat from it so you should now in the Midrashic understanding this is not just a lie it's Lashon Hara against God snake is call, the snake is calling God not God 
The snake is saying God is only a God because God ate from this tree. And so Rashi doesn't say it explicitly on our verse, but this is what Rashi is remembering, as it were, in his own commentary. Um, and that's the tafas umanoto shel nachash. Moshe, you have also acquired for yourself the, the artistry of the snake, um, doing lashon hara against those who don't deserve it, in your um, diminishing or disparaging the Israelites. And so this miracle to show you that you're wrong is also reminding you that you shouldn't have done what you just did. Uh, Larry, Diane? No idea where to go with this, but I'm just struck by the similarity between emunato uh, and umanato uh, and emunato. Mm. Maybe artistry and faith. Maybe maybe Rashi was intending not a pun, but some sort of double entendre here. Yeah. Well, that's the second one of the day that went that had gone totally over my head. The 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 lanushama and nace and umanoto and emuna. Listen, the whole um, the, the etymology of the root of the aleph mem nun is fascinating, right? Because it's it's belief, it's amen, it's faith, it's art, right? I learned that root, you know, by saying amen in religious school and having omanut in third period at Camp Ramah, right? And it's also a caretaker, right? This what Mordechai is to Esther, an omen, right? A a um, uh, the one who raised her. So it's a fascinating root, and sometimes three-letter roots that have different meanings are all from the same initial initial root, but the meanings diversify. And there actually are multiple roots of the same three letters in um, in Semitic languages. So I don't know enough about the origins of those roots. We could look up BDB again, but um, it, it is wonderful that what um, what Rashi is saying Moshe did by disparaging their emunah is his stepping in and taking on the om- omanut of the snake. Well read, Larry. Uh, Barry and then Joanna. Um, God is um, a very strong negotiator. Um, it, it later, the Israelites prove again and again their ability to disparage God. Moshe is just describing uh, what their character is here. And uh, God is uh, suggesting, therefore, Moshe is, um, uh, you know, doing the snake thing. Uh, but, okay, I said it. Very. <laughs> uh, Joanna? Um, you know, when you read the language here of, like, Moses was speaking Lashon Hara, it seems very severe and harsh. But as this discussion proceeds, I think there is an underpinning here of something that, is valuable, you know, that every teacher learns, which is, you know, to hold your students to, you know, the highest level of accountability. If you have low expectations, they will only come to that level. If you have, I mean, obviously within reason, but if you have high expectations of your students, you know, it reflects in subtle ways, even in your demeanor towards your students. And, you know, we've all heard and seen the movies of, you know, incredible stories of teachers who had high expectations of students um, of whom others expected very little from. And the teachers got those students to achieve, you know, and so too with a leader and and his or her people, I think, you know, if you go in from the outset with the expectation that this is what the people are going to be, then this is what the people are going to be. And so your read here is that that 
God's being persnickety on Moshe's uh, concern that the Israelites will not believe will not will not believe him is actually a way of pushing him to be a yet more excellent and exemplary leader. Yeah. Yes. Interesting. Um, right. If I jump out of the, the text part of that, more the concept of it, that, of course, has to be moderated by not having your students or your mentees or your direct reports assume that you assume that they can achieve perfection because perfection is illusory, right? There's a, that's a tension there. The people that you teach, supervise, uh, raise, you want them to strive for excellence, but also recognize that perfection is, is asymptotic. And, 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 uh, and if, if they start to expect perfection in themselves because you, they think you expect it of you, then they'll constantly be disappointed in themselves. And that's, that's the artist, that's the artistry, haha, of, of raising, teaching, counseling, mentoring. I think I threw in a within reason there when I was talking, which is part of what I meant by that. Yes, exactly. But it's hard. I mean, I'll, I, I'm, you know, anyone on the Zoom who's ever been a parent or a teacher or a supervisor or a mentor, it's hard to find that 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 sweet spot in between um, holding back from honest feedback such that you're conveying lower expectations than the student deserves or the mentee deserves and uh, wanting that person to be forgiving of himself or herself also because none of us achieves perfection. Great. But it does. I, I do like your 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 giving a little body to the midrashic read that suggests that um, that God is picking on Moshe even for this. This this was barely a sin. He just he was just nervous and not going to believe him. How dare you suggest that my Israelites are are not uh, are not going to be b- uh, believing people? Raising Moshe up to be even a yet higher leader. Great. Um, anything else on that Rashi or that verse? Going once, going twice. Okay. Um, let's move to the next verse. Um, who have we not heard from uh, today? Uh, Tova, do you want to read the next verse? Verse four. We can't hear you yet, Tova. You got to unmute. There we go. All right. By Yomir Renayel Moshe, Shlak Yarcha Veechoz Biznavo, Vayishlak Yado. Uh, and uh, God said to Moses to send or uh, to extend um, your hand and uh, seize or grab uh, it by the tail. Uh, and he put forth his hand, extended his hand, and uh, yeah, Rashi's going to pause on the same phrase. Yeah. <laughs> it's a hard one. That's a, he strengthened that's a... it, but he, he, does that mean it stiffened in his hand? We, we don't know. We're going to play a lot yeah. with the trans- okay. tra- translation there. Uh, and then, uh, um, and, uh, and it was a staff in his hand. It became, it was a staff in his hand. Good. We have, an, we have another verb to be in alamed by a hila and a bikin. Right, right. A staff in his hand. Good. Okay. Um, so we, 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 we basically know what's happening. We just have a question on, on one of the phrases. God said to Moses, shlach yarcha, extend your hand. Echoz, echoz means to grab hold of or to, uh, to, to clasp it upon its tail. He did so and he chazaked bit 
We'll see. We'll see what that means. Um, and it be, and, and and all of a sudden it came back to being the staff that it was. Before we look at the translations, um, let, let's be inventive here. What do people think? What, what, how, how can you make sense of the verb by a chazekbo, with as making as being reasonable in that spot in the verse? He extended his hand and he chazeked it, and it became a staff in its hand. So. I think you were suggesting maybe, um, Tov, I don't want to put words in your mouth, that it went from being a slithering, moving stake right. back to being a sturdy staff. Possible? Uh, Renee and then Joanna? Maybe he squeezed the life out of it and it became hard mm-hmm. like a stick. Aha. Uh-huh. Mm, interesting. So he almost like, he, he, he killed it back into being a stick. Mm-hmm. Joanna? I'm just noticing that the command is to schlach and achos. And so, like, the shlach is a direct parallel. He did that. And our expectation would be, like, if you really want to say God, you know, God commanded something and then demonstrate that the person did it, like, you almost want to see the exact same language. And so, therefore, the fact that it didn't go with the same shorish but went to a different one means to me that something is happening there, like you know, in a you know, in addition to like playing with you know, the shavash really means strong. How do you verbify that? Great. So wh- whatever it means, what Joanna's picking up on is that it does not say vayeshlach yado vayechosbo, right? So I God say do A and B, and He did A and L, right? So so wh- why does the Torah change that verb no matter what it means? Wonderful. Is is, is there is this a um, you know a dis a disobedience? Or, or is this a nothing? Or is it just a cigar? Uh, Rick and Larry. Yeah, go ahead. No, go ahead, Jenna. I, I just want to say, I, my read almost of it is it, it could be the opposite of disobedience. It could be Moshe wanting to try to sort of excel and do more. Like, not only a chose, but like even better, um, chazek. Yeah. The, um, the Aramaic doesn't solve this for us. Sometimes, sometimes uh, Uncleus will at least give us a, a, an obvious sense of what it meant back then. If you look at the Uncleus for a second, then we'll call in Rick. Va'amar Adonai Moshe, God said Moshe, Oshit Yadcha, Lahoshit in Hebrew also means to extend. You have that in the book of Esther when uh, she, when um, Achashverosh extends the scepter towards Esther, Oshit at Edo. Va'at Kef Bey, sorry, Oshit Yadcha ve. Uh, echod biznabei. So echod in Aramaic is echoz in Hebrew. So that just is a direct translation. Vaoshit yadei. So he's consistent in that, in the same way that the Hebrew is shalach by yishlach, it's oshit veoshet. But he turns vayachazak um, into vaatkeif, which is proper in the sense that takif, taf, kuf, pei, is very similar in Aramaic to chet zayin kuf in Hebrew to do something strongly. Sometimes it means to attack. Um, in the Talmud, matkifle means that a rabbi brought a countering source against the previous source as a, as a conceptual attack, not like, a, not, not like an attack attack, but like attack that line of thinking. Um, in uh, Adirhu, we get to the Tafs in Pesach, takifu. When we say that God is takif, we're saying God is strong, God is mighty, God has chozek. So by turning it into a verb in Aramaic that is similar to the Hebrew, 
Unclos doesn't tell us what he thinks he means by it. He's just turning it into the Aramaic version of it. Um, Rick and then Larry Diane. Hi. Um, I just wanted to make sure we all know the snake handlers can do that with the snake. They, they can grab it at a certain place, and it, it affects the nerves, and, and it uh, becomes rigid. Alligators, they can do the same thing. They can. There's a certain place where they can make them go to sleep or hmm. become uh, still. Um, I, I heard that years ago, so just wanted to make sure everybody knew that. At, at, at the neck, behind the head. Yeah, there's a not, thing. Not the tail. Oh, only only by the head. Okay. Well, somehow Moshe was able to chazek it by the tail. Larry, Diane? So I'm curious that it's Moses, I assume, who was doing the chazeking here, whereas previously it was God who turned turned it into a uh, into a snake to begin with. In the previous, at least it was passive, it became a snake. And, and here it's the Yechazek Bo. And I assume Moses is still the subject of, of this phrase. So it's not, it, it, it could have said, and it will be the passive of, uh, of, 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 of Chazek here. It could have said that it, the Nechazak, I don't know, I'm not sure, but it doesn't. So Moses is the one who's, who's acting upon the snake, not God. Yeah, unless, unless all Vayachazekbo means is another way of rendering the echos. I mean, unless, unless the verb just does mean he did what God asked him to do, and like in the previous verse, once he did what God asked him to do, the transformation happened, right? The previous verse is, God said, put it to the ground. He put it to the ground. And it became a snake. Here, God says, um, extend your hand and take it. He took, he extended hand and he did something with it. And it became, uh, uh, it became a staff. So we, in both, in both ver- verses, God tells Moshe to do something. And once Moshe does that, the transformation happens. The only question is, is Vayachazekbo a different thing than what God asked him to do when God said so I'm not sure it's any more active than, a, than the previous one Un, right un, unless we're saying that Moshe did something and that, and that the vayachazeking bow of the snake is what turned it back into a staff Diane so I have a question about using bow as opposed to oto is it just because the chazek takes good um uh, takes buh, or is it, or is there some other reference here? Such a good pickup. That's Rashi's um, through line. When, when the, the, the Rashi we're about to read is okay. is um, essentially based on, although it doesn't get a, to get a, get to that at, at the end. The fact that it does not say via chazek oto, which would be that he strengthened it, but that sometimes some biblical verbs, when you change the preposition, well, uh, let me say two things. Hebrew verbs take specific prepositions, and if you don't know them, they're very confusing. Like I think we discussed this before that the verb to use in Hebrew in Hebrew, lehishtamesh, does not take a direct object of et, it takes a b. Animishtamesh ba machshev hazam, using this computer. But it's a b. Um, even though it wouldn't make sense to use to, to put the b in there in English. It's also the case that sometimes if you change a preposition, it doesn't just change what type of action is being done with that verb concept, it actually changed the meaning of the verb concept. And that's what Rashi is going to argue. Right? So TLDR, or giving you know, a spoiler alert, Rashi is going to say that all this means is 
he took hold of it. It's just that there's a different way of taking, taking hold of it. And there's a usage of chazak that has to do not with strengthen, but with grasping. Um, and he's going to bring a bunch of proof texts that we're going to look at. Uh, so good wait, good picking up on that. Uh, Tova and then Rebecca and then Joanna. Um, yeah, I can't help but read a some hesitancy still on Moshe's part because God is specifically instructing him to seize it by, take it by the tail, which I think in any of our mind sounds scary because then you have a snake by the tail and still very at able to move. And so, so it feels like God is saying, take it by the tail. But what Moses does is take it, but in a strong way, in a way that gives him greater control over it. And it, I, there's just that the, the, the difference in the words gives me that imagery of a degree of hesitation or fear on his part where he's trying to protect himself at some level. Uh, that's great because it makes me notice again for the first time that if we're really precise about comparing what God asked Moshe to do and what yeah. Moshe did, the zanav, the tail is not in right. the description of Moshe it's did. It's not. We can really assume good. it in the bow, but not necessarily. Really good. All right. So Mo- God says, extend your hand, cre- grasp its tail. Right. He extended his hand and he did something to it. Is it the, it the tail, right? That's what Rashi is going to say. Rashi is going to say yeah. it's plain. It's just, he did exactly what he was being asked to do. Are you, or is he avoiding the tail and he, he did this to the snake? Yeah. Really interesting. <laughs> really interesting. Uh, Rebecca? Uh, I just wanted to say that I think in, in modern Hebrew, when you use the word, the, the, the verb lachzik, you're meaning that you're holding on to something. You don't just grasp it, but you're going to hold on to it. Um, and in that, maybe that's sort of the difference there. That he didn't just grab it, but he grabbed and held on. Um, yeah, gra- which, which, how I would understand the verb here. Great. So even in modern Hebrew, the root chazak does not always ha- mean strength, um, particularly in forms outside of pa'al. So machzik, which is the he feel, which if, if you thought about it grammatically, it would mean to make something stronger, right? So, in, in fact, it could be, it, it could you could use it that way. Lehachzik, you'd probably say lechazek. Lechazek at mashu is to strengthen something, but lehachzik is to is the he feel the causative of chazak, which means to make something strong. But it doesn't really mean that when you use it that way in Hebrew. Tachzik uh, ma'amad. I remember when I when I heard that phrase for the first time, and you can't translate it, just like there are many idioms in English. If you translate it, it means strengthen the standing. What it means is like, you know, chin up and, and you'll, you'll get through this, you know, tachzik ma'amad, you'll, you'll, you'll hold yourself in a standing position. It sort of is mildly related to stay strong, but it's, it's more about sturdiness than strength. So um, this notion of chazak that Rashi is about to explore with us made its way even into modern Hebrew expression. Right. If you think especially about something like lachzik yadayim, to yeah. hold hands, right. you wouldn't really say lechoziadaim. That would be lachzikiadaim, meaning that you're holding on and you're, you're you know, you're staying. <laughs> That's great. That, I, forgot, I forgot that usage also. Great, Joanna and then Barry. Um, we're talking a lot 
this morning about, you know, words and sound resonance and what that brings up. And all of a sudden, I'm looking at the, you know, the words Yad Chazak coming together, and it's taking me to Biyad Chazaka. And then it took me back to the word Shlach and how, you know, Shlach et Ami is going to become, you know, an important phrase in the continuation of the story. And it's just interesting to me, all of a sudden, we're at the very outset of, you know, setting the wheels in motion for the redemption. We're being introduced to, to words here that are going to have be very predominant words as the story develops. My response to that, Joanna, is this is a great book, right? <laughs> like, like, like kudos to the Holy One or to J, E, and P, and D, or a combination thereof. This is an amazing collection of words and ideas. And um, for the 133rd time or more, when you slow down and you allow yourself to read it at this pace, there is a flowering that is just not possible when you're, when you're laning it, laning it is a, is a different experience, right? Like to just kind of go with the flow of the flow of it and to get the full, the full breadth of the story, but the, the usage of words and um, you're right. This is the third or fourth time already today that we've spoken about just, just associations, evokings of words that are going to be important in the story. Yes. Yad, Yad and Chazak and Shalach are the sto- are the words of Exodus. Excellent. Thank you for that. Barry. So uh, it's another instance of Moshe's intelligence in God's command. Uh, God's command is to grab it by the tail. Moshe, he's a, he's a shepherd, has been in the desert for years and years and years. Everyone knows you never pick up a snake by the tail. Uh, <laughs> furthermore, had he, had he picked it up by the tail and it became a rod, the rod would have been upside down. Very good. Very good. So he's actually smartly disobeying God and picking up the snake in such a way that it wouldn't hurt him and would instantly become a usable rod as opposed to an upside down mate. Wonderful. All of, all of these are possible. And it actually makes the Rosh you're about to read a little bit of a, not a, not a disappointment, but it's the, the Rashi's read is not nearly as interesting or as lyrical as the reads that we've been giving to it. Rick, and then we'll go back to Tova reading the Rashi. Thanks. Just to, on what Joanna said, I just turned the page back and there it was with the Pharaoh, whether he was going to have a strong hand or not. So I, I was thinking immediately it's taking us out with a strong hand, but we just passed it with, uh, with, with Pharaoh. So anyway. Right. The We spent a long time on that as to, you know, um, uh, we discussed, is that a reference to God's uh, strong hand, meaning that um, he's not going to, um, let you go until God extends God's strong hand? Or is this a way of saying that even lest you think that Moshe has the stronger, uh, sorry, Pharaoh has a stronger hand here, he doesn't. Good. Okay, let's have, it was, it was Tova, right? Let's have Tova read the Rashi on Vayachazek um, Bowen. There's going to be a lot of screen sharing here because we're going to be looking at a lot of different proof texts. Uh, I got on, you got on mute, Tova. I'm not up to translating Rashi, so I want to pass that to someone else. Okay. Uh, volunteer, anyone? Barry, go ahead. I just have the translation here. What has Ekbo? Lashon Akizahu has the meaning of grasping. So the first thing Rashi says is to us readers, the last 20 minutes you spend dealing with this were 
were interesting but fruitless because all this means is achizah. This is a synonym. You're confused. You're distracted by the fact that you think that chazak always means strong. It doesn't. So in two words, Rashi says, all it means is achizah. Chazak b means achizah, which means this is just a symmetry. God said, do X, and he did X. He just did X with a different verb. That's Rashi's first point, and now he's going to back it up. There are a number of such uses in Scripture. Okay, so pause right there, and I'll bring that one up. Um, okay, Parshat Vayera, Lot, in Stome and Amora. Um, and this is uh, when uh, Lot is uh, delaying leaving the town. It's the, the second, the first. I think it's the first. I think it's the first Shalshelot in the Torah. The first of four Shalshelot in the Torah. There, three of them are in Breshit, and one of them is in Vayikra. And I think this is the first. Vayemayin. Yeah, this is the first one. The second one is in um, Chayesara, and, the, and then the third is in Vayeshev. Vayid Mahama, you see the Shalshelet right over there. He tarried. Vayachaziku Anashim Biado. It's the same exact um, usage, that it's a it's Chazak in the root. It's a B. It's not the same Binyan. This is Hefeel, Vayachaziku. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not Vayachazku, whereas ours is more of a of a pa'al, but we'll let it go. And what does it mean there? They took hold of him. They didn't strengthen Loth. It's just obvious in that sentence. We'll, we, we, you know, when we get around back to this, we'll, we'll look at it more slowly. But look how it's translated here, seized. They, they, they took his hand and his wife's hand, Ubiyaj Nevnotav, and the hands of his daughters, Bechemlat Arunai, uh, Allah, because they are, they were, they kind of were bringing down God's mercy upon him. And they, took him out, and they placed him outside the city because it was about to be destroyed. Okay? So a pretty obvious proof text that that has nothing to do with strengthen, having everything to do with grasping the root chazak, the preposition, b. Next one. Okay. A really interesting law in the book of Deuteronomy that always makes kids giggle when they learn it in school. Uh, this is uh, Parshat Kitetze, the Parshat that has the... Um, the first or the second most number of mitzvot, it's either Mishpatim and Kitetze are both just filled with law after law after law. Um, and this is one of them. Ki yinatsu anashim yachtav. Two men are fighting. Ish v'achiv, a man and his fellow, probably not, not, not necessarily his brother. Berkarva eshad one of their wives comes over to the fight. Lehatzil et isha, to, to uh, rescue isha here, the see that there's a mapik in the hay, so it's her Ish, her husband, Miad Makehu, from the hand of the one who is smiting him, Veshalcha Yada, she extends her hand, same phrase here, Vehechzika Bimvushav, and she grabs hold of his privates, right? Uh, the Mivushav is, is from the root Boshed, meaning his embarrassing parts, right? The, the, the parts that, that are, are, are more private. He's not, she's not strengthening them. She, she's, she's taking hold of them as a way of, uh, of, of rescuing her husband, right? So here, again, it's, um, it's in the he feel, not the pa'al, but it does have the preposition be, and it's clear it's a, not, a, not, not a strengthening. Okay, uh, next one. 
Vesachti Biskano. Okay. Uh, this is uh, from the first book of Samuel, chapter 17. And it is David and Shaul, David speaking uh, with, Shaul, with Saul about his experience in the lion's den. The Atsati Acharav, I went after it. Vihiketi, I fought it. Vihitsalti, um, me peev, and I rescued it from his mouth. Vayakomalai, and if it would come and attack me, this is kind of like, let it happen, but when it would happen. Vihechazakti Bizkano, I would strengthen his, uh, his beard. No, no I no. would grasp it, right? Again, he feel, right? Not, not Vihazakti. But same idea. Chazak, a preposition be, clearly a grasping hold. I would grasp, mm-hmm. grasp hold of its of the of the lion's beard, that would smite it and I would kill it. Okay? Um, those are our I don't think he brings another one. Mm-hmm. No, those are three. And now keep reading the Rashi. Koloshan uh Bedavuk that phrase that you just read, Barry, we're about to translate. If you're reading it in our version of the Rashi, you'll see that it's in brackets and it's our, our frequent footnote that says, Bitfus Rishon Leita. In the first printing of Rashi, it's not there. So this is either Rashi or proto Rashi or got added into Rashi. We're not quite sure. Sometimes Rashi brings proof texts and then gives you the klal, the basic principle. Sometimes he just brings the proof text and you have to. Um, induce or deduce the uh the claw here he's, he's stating what we've said all here uh wherever the uh, verb hizuk is followed by the prefix but it has the meaning of grasping correct right and if you just look look at the, the, the hebrew that rashi uses here or proto rashi uses kolashon hizuk every instance of hizuk hadavuk levet meaning that is um juxtaposed with the preposition Bet in the following word, lashon achiza. It simply means grasp hold. So Rashi would say, "There's nothing. There's there's no grabbing it front by the head. He's not he's not making it strong to 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 to, to kill it. Um, you know, the fact that we have the root chazak and yad is is a is a smokescreen. It's nothing to do with the extra story. It's just a, a synonym. And sometimes the Torah uses synonyms. I like our conversation more than Rashi's, but Rashi does um, bring a lot of proof text to strengthen haha, his point. Joanna. I think it was Rebecca. Someone was speaking to this a little bit before. And what I find interesting about all of these examples is maybe the Chazak Shorish is used here because it's not about the person that the action is happening to, but the one who's actually doing it, the holding and the grasping, right? That there, because for example, there's a difference in the way that I would hold my hand's child in the park if we're just having a loving and tender moment as we walk through the park and the way I would grab his hand if he's about to run into the street and there's a car coming, right? So all of these examples have a sense of needing to do this with some strength, with some, um, because of, you know, the situation involved. You know, it wasn't so easy to get Lot and his family to leave the city, you know, those malachim really had to kind of tug at their hands to pull them away. Yeah, I, I, of course, Rana. And th- there's a reason why the root chazak can be used to mean to grab hold of something, because in most of those instances, it means to grab hold of something with strength, right? So, so it's not, 
it's not a different show rash. It's just that the show rash, you know, morphed into a usage that doesn't only mean directly to strengthen. But I think you're right. Um, it would be interesting to see if we could find a use of Vayechazak B in the Torah, not amongst the, the proof text that Rashi brought, that means to grab, but doesn't mean to grab in a moment where strength is important, right? So, you know, grabbing hold of the beard of the, of the lion, strength is important. And um, grabbing hold of the uh, privies of the person attacking your husband, you better do that with strength, um, although you're about to lose your hand, according to the Torah. Um, here, less so, right? It's actually, it, it, it begs the question of why was this kind of grabbing, the kind of grabbing to which we want to associate the notion of strength, right? And, and maybe awaken some of the comments we heard before. Maybe this is Moshe knowing something more about snakes than God is willing to let on, which is that, if you, if you don't really grasp it like that, even if it's a conjured snake, you're not going to be able to overcome it. Can, can I suggest the, the, the buh indicates a purposeful strength? Uh, it, possible. It's, it's, sometimes those prepositions are, are just what the, what the language evolved into being. Um, and, 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 so, and sometimes we can, we can, we can, we can read into them um, as a, as a yeah. into a buh. A holding on, holding on to. Okay. Um, hi, Carol. So I saw you way early on in the uh, Zoom, and you're just coming back. I hope you haven't missed this whole class. I feel bad if you did. Um, all right. We have three minutes left, enough to at least read the next verse. Um, so we can start there in two weeks. Um, Joel, do you want to read the next verse? Lama'an um, ya'aminu. Ki nir e elecha Adonai Elohe Avotam Elohe Abraham Elohe Tzrak Elohe Yaakov. Um, I don't know who's speaking, but in order for them to believe um, uh, that um, um, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob appeared to you. Good. Yeah, right? Yeah. It's very hard to parse this and know where we are in are um, quotation marks because it seems like the last time God spoke was the beginning of verse four, where God said to Moshe, do this. The quotation marks seem to end and he did it. And usually if we have a, a speech and an action and then a speech again, we have Vayomer Od or at least a Vayomer and we don't hear, but you're right that this seems to be a continuation of God speaking to Moshe as if it's like God said to do this, Moshe did it. And, but God was still speaking and said, and the reason I'm doing all this is so that aminu, so that they will believe you. Ki nir'ah, nir'ah, not nir'ah, Joel, because it's past tense, nir'ah elecha, that the God who is the God of their ancestors, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, nir'ah elecha, had appeared to you. But it's, a, it's one of the very few places where you seem to be in a direct quote by God, not immediately preceded by a Vayomer and already having been um, um, interrupted by an action. Joanna and then Rick. Your point, I think, is strengthened very much by what occurs in the next verse, where the next verse starts with Vayomer Adonai Lo Od. That seems very misplaced because between five and six, there's no action, there's no nothing happening. It would have been much better to have 
Vayomer Adonai Lo'od right at the beginning of five and then let God keep talking until he's done. Yeah. It almost seems like, if I may, not great editing by the Holy One, right? Um, Everett Fox, in a very subtle way, makes reference to this in the, in the following way, and you, you, you have to see it. I'll, I'll try to describe it because it's not in the words. If, if you start reading Everett Fox from verse 4, and I know we're at 930, God said to Moshe, send forth your hand, seize it by its tail. Then he puts in a dash or a double dash. He sent forth his hand, took hold of it, and it became a staff in his fist double dash, so that they may trust God, the God of their fathers, blah, 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 blah. So Ever Fox is saying that the, the action item in the end of the previous verse that we just spent 20 minutes talking about is like a is like an interlude that doesn't work within the syntax or the structure of the sentence because God was still talking. It's almost as if Moshe jumped the gun and did it while God was still describing why he wanted him to do it. Tova and then Rick and then we'll end. No, no, I said Rick before, so Rick and then Tova. You can you can do rock paper scissors. <laughs> I I just wanted to throw in the trope It's the same, and uh, that's what I hear. And in verse one, you had and then it, it links to the next one um, in verse eight. It connects to the shema, and um, it's like you said the the book is beautiful that. The, the music links together like that. Yeah, that, that as if the, the, the sense of belief is always on a munach katon. Wonderful. Yeah, something like, like that. I could read the Torah a thousand times and I would never pick <clears throat> up on that, Rick. I'm so so pleased that you read it with that prism. Tova, go ahead and you'll be our final comment of the day. Okay, uh, this just uh, adds to my sense of the scene of, of a still very nervous Moshe. I mean, you already said it, jumping the gun. It's like God God is giving him instructions on how to turn it back into a staff. Let's get that done fast. And no, we're not going to pick it up by the tail. I'm going to Very seize good. it strongly. And he does it even as God is speaking. So Very good. I actually love it. Wonderful, wonderful. All right, so when we meet in two weeks, we'll pick up there. We'll read that verse again in case we need to linger more on it. And then we'll uh, go to the next verse because Rashi actually is quiet on that verse. You have been listening to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. If you enjoy these podcasts, we invite you to write a review on the Apple Podcast site or wherever you get your podcasts. For more information about Temple Beth Am Los Angeles, go to tba.org.